0: Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, good afternoon, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Friday, Drive Time Show with myself, Kayyum and brother Daniel Zia. As usual, we're going to be discussing two very important topics, um, which are of... uh, um, concern to us as individuals, but uh, as a society and as a world internationally, um, the two topics we're going to be discussing uh, are very relevant and actually intertwined. Um, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about nuclear weapons. We're going to be talking about growing global arsenal. We're going to be looking at countries who are uh, more and more getting equipped um, with the nuclear weapons and the effects uh, this is going to be having. Um, on the world as we as we know it in the second hour we're going to be talking about global economy and we're going to be discussing whether um, we are on our way um, or are we on the road to recession and for the for the second hour we also asking a question on our instagram story and the question is what factors have been most responsible for the weakened global economy um if you want to contribute, we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. 687 um, As I said, very interesting topics. Um, nuclear arsenal and the global economy. Um, everybody has got something to say. If you are one of those people, we w- want to hear from you. Um, give us a call again on 02086877878, or you can join us on our social media platforms um, at Voice of Islam UK. Um, or if you are like me, an old dragon and uh, like the still old email system, then you can access us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Good afternoon. Peace be on you, brother Daniel. How are you?
1: Good afternoon. Very well. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a huge under that that's uh, that's not a that's not a good way to start a show, dragon. No, no, I I, I strongly disagree with that. No, it, you're, We are talking it,
0: nuclear weapons, <laughs> so d- dragons tend to come into. <laughs> you know, it's all about fire. Like
1: it is. It is absolutely. Yes. Interesting so, toppings this afternoon. Yes, very interesting. And and you said it uh, absolutely rightly when you said that both of them are intertwined. I think um it, it, they they are hugely inter, intertwined and given the fact that i'm i'm just surprised that nobody else uh, out there seems to be talking about nuclear weapons g- given the fact that both uh the um, russian leadership and and the us leadership have talked about the prospect of a greater war have talked about have threatened russia's threatened use of nu- nuclear weapons and, and yet, um, and this is only two, two, a couple of months ago, nobody's talking
0: about it. I agree with you. I, if this came to mind yesterday when Nancy Pelosi spoke about mm. that visit to Taiwan. Mm. And I'm sure you will correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it's the first time China has actually come out in an aggressive manner and been very direct towards America that there would be repercussions if this, this uh, visit happens isn't it? I mean, I've never. china's always been kind of on a back seat, and and uh, Russia Russia's the conduit. But this time, it was Taiwan. It was direct. And and and, when China is threatening, it's nuclear.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, this certainly doesn't augur well for the uh, for for a sustainable world that we want to build. And and you're right. I think uh, the retin- re- the rhetoric is. Getting uh, darker is is getting stiffer on both sides. Uh, unfortunately, um, I think the relationship. Uh, Biden, as we all know, has been an anti-China um, yes activist for a long, long time, yeah. and and he made no bones about the fact that that he, that his policy is going to be anti-China, uh, even when his administration, w- w- uh, you know, wasn't um, hadn't begun work. Mm. Was just recently elected, so it was it was very obvious right from from the go that this is going to be a very very anti-China administration and anti-Russia as well. And um, unfortunately, I think uh, this this just doesn't augur well for for global peace and security.
0: So we are talking about this worrying trend among nuclear armed states, and ever since the end of the Cold War, um, this is the first time the world's nuclear arsenal is expected to increase in the coming years. And the likelihood of the nuclear weapons being used is also the highest in decades, as Brother Daniel just mentioned. Countries such as America, Russia and China are increasing their stockpiles. I mean, we will name a few others um, as we go along in in, in the hour where countries are, um, as I said, uh, increasing their stockpiles of nuclear warheads, um, including um, our home here, United Kingdom. Mm. Um, And we will also be shedding some light on how the Holy Quran informs us of the nuclear weapons centuries ago. And the Islamic teachings um, of Islam and the way of life that we always talk about, how it, uh, it, it uh, talks about preventing war and the disorder um, that it creates. And, and the number of times His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza his Ahmad, uh, has spoken extensively about this over the years. I mean, it's not just decades. now, but decades yeah. he has been speaking about this um, um, situation that we are currently in.
1: Absolutely. And the the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute reports that nine nuclear armed states that the United States, Russia, the UK, France, China, India and Pakistan, as well as Israel and North Korea continue to modernize their nuclear arsenals. While the total number of nuclear weapons went down a little between 21 and 22, that's the year January 21 to January 22, the number is likely to increase in the next decade. Well, you mentioned these countries, so I looked it up. And nuclear weapons by country,
0: 2022, this is um, um, on World Population Review. Russia's got 6,257 nuclear weapons, number one in the world. Mm. United States has got 5,550. China is only... Let's look at the disparity now. China, supposedly, 350. (laughs) Right. These are, of course, these are the, the ones declared by these countries. France has got two hundred ninety. United Kingdom two hundred twenty-five. Pakistan has got hundred and sixty-five. India's got hundred and fifty-six, and Israel has got ninety. These are the top ten in the world. Right. I mean, I, from from two downwards, um, I'm I'm I will be. Que- <laughs> it's very questionable statistics. You know, China and Russia, uh, China and US, have been open about, and they they don't hide the fact that they are states which uh, hold um Russia massive, and the US. Yes. Yeah. M- 90% massive.
1: of all, all nuclear weapons are and and yes um i read a statistic somewhere um that uh, all the nuclear weapons that us and china uh, sorry us and russia possess can destroy the world 25 times over wow well wow. let's hold that
0: thought and let's go to our first guest um of the afternoon we have got with us john erathu is the senior our Policy Director at the Center of Arms Control and Non-Proliferation. Good afternoon, welcome. alaikum Peace be on you, and thank you for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Time
2: Show, John. Good afternoon. It's a real pleasure to be with you today, um,
0: John. Um, how do you see the current geopolitical situation in Europe as Finland and Sweden um, are moving swiftly towards NATO and um, and and with 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 the the these countries joining NATO and NATO supposedly becoming stronger, will it change um, the state's perception about nuclear weapons?
2: The, uh, the, the major variable in the situation in Europe right now is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is what has caused the decision that was made by Sweden and Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, while Russia has been making threats to use nuclear weapons, The Swedish and Finnish decisions were prompted more by the conventional forces being used uh, against Ukraine. After all, Ukraine was a part of Russia in the 19th century, and so was Finland. And there is a real concern that Russia may not stop uh, if it should succeed in uh, changing the government in Ukraine. It might try to do that elsewhere. But it should be pointed out that Sweden and Finland had a very close relationship with NATO previously as partner countries. This is merely formalizing their entry into the alliance, and is clearly to be seen as a message to Russia.
0: John, you mentioned uh, Russia may expand its 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 attack on other countries, and and I know even when we look, listen to mainstream news, they, they this notion and this 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 narrative of Russia uh, might go outside of of Ukraine is is that is that rhetoric, or is there is there actually intelligence that backs up? um that narrative
2: i'm uh, not privy to any special intelligence but it's uh, very clear from the rhetoric coming out of moscow now that uh, they see themselves as the the inheritors of the former russian and soviet empires hmm. and they expect to have some kind of leading role uh, and i don't want to say that that they are trying to acquire the territory of these countries uh, but they want to be in the position where they are able to dictate policy and have compliant governments in places like Ukraine, Georgia, Moldova, and the others.
1: John, wasn't the issue, or isn't the issue around Ukraine really about uh, NATO membership? Isn't that it? How no. how it really started, and isn't uh, wasn't that the 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 most? A uh, uh, sort of contentious issue that was on the table. And I, I guess it really, in, in the end, it came down to Russia just saying, take that off the table and we won't invade. And NATO said, no, uh, it's not going to happen in five years. It might not happen in 10 years, but we're not going to take it off the table.
2: It's been very clear that Russia was interfering in Ukrainian internal politics long before there was any mention of NATO enlarging, even to include Poland and Hungary. So back in the 90s, there were Russian attempts to interfere in Ukrainian internal affairs. That's been going on almost from the moment Ukraine became independent. Uh, so it's uh, it's a little bit uh, misleading to say that this whole thing started when there was interest in NATO membership on the part of Ukraine. Uh, it's been going on, and the, the first round of Russian aggression in 2014 was prompted not by move toward nato but by ukraine's application to join the european union
1: equally john so uh, again just to challenge uh, uh, on that hasn't if, if the barometer or is to is the intervention in states u.s has been intervening from panama to iran for the last decades uh, since the second world war how do you justify that
2: Uh, I'm not going to discuss what uh, has happened in terms of U.S. policy, and certainly there were some mistakes made, Uh, and uh, those are well-known and well-documented. Just because the United States intervened in Iraq, say, in in 2003, that proved to be a a big mistake, and it probably would be a decision that the people who made it would regret today. But because that happens, that does not justify Russia violating international law in the current year in Ukraine. I'm no, I,
1: I, and I fully agree with you, John. I, it, it is no justification. And I'm not trying to justify, uh, just to be clear, uh, uh, Russia's actions, and I'm certainly not saying that what Russia did in Ukraine I, uh, was was right. And actually, to the contrary, I think it's uh, it's horrific what's what's happening in Russia. What I'm saying, in fact, is though, that why did we need to bring it to uh, to the state of war? Why could not diplomacy have decided? when indeed there are precedents of other powers actually interfering in other countries as well.
2: And I I agree with you completely. There should be a diplomatic solution. We should have tried diplomacy and Russia should have tried diplomacy to uh, uh, address its concerns over Ukraine. Uh, And hopefully we can learn the lessons from these uh, unsuccessful military adventures and Mm -hmm. avoid war in the future and rely more on diplomacy.
0: Um, taking in diplomacy into account, do you think what's, what the, the role of Turkey in what's happening at the moment, do you think, is going to bear fruit?
2: Uh, I, I hope it does. Now, uh, President Erdogan is, is uh, very much uh, making efforts to establish some kind of diplomatic dialogue. I don't think there's been much success yet. Mm-hmm. If he does, and it does lead to a cessation of hostilities, that would
0: be a good thing. Now, in the next hour, we're going to be talking about global recession and, and we're going to be talking about energy and we're going to be talking about grain. Is, isn't that a, a way? Um, I mean, and of course, Russia and Ukraine play a huge part. Um, is, isn't that also an, another avenue where diplomacy can kind of um, take precedence in, in maybe looking to neutralize this 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 situation?
2: There are efforts being made along these lines as we speak, because this is where a conflict between Russia and Ukraine is having global implications. Yep. There are people who depend on grain that comes out of that area, particularly from Ukraine, uh, who are having trouble obtaining it, and so this might be a good area for diplomacy in the near term to try to get some of these grain supplies flowing. Um, John,
0: with all these conflicts that we we're talking about, and you know, is it is it is it not better? As as Brother Daniel talked about that we that that countries kind of take a neutral stance um, and 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 kind of move forward in this instead of um, sometimes you know mainstream media and social media kind of tends to take well if you're not with us you're against us um, isn't it better to be neutral?
2: That's a question for each government to decide for itself. Hmm. For some countries such as Switzerland neutrality makes a lot of sense, and indeed, is part of their constitution. For Sweden and Finland, in this case, they decided that uh, neutrality was no longer uh, the best option for them. But it really is, is uh, variable based on country to country. And also, the word neutral does not mean that uh, one should not stand up for international law, as in the case of Switzerland, which has remained neutral, but has condemned Russian aggression very strongly.
0: Now, how can we encourage i mean we're, we're talking about nuclear weapons and we we you know we, we listed all the countries the top 10 countries i mean you know there's thousands and thousands of nuclear uh, weapons around the world in different countries and different regions uh, you know all sides of the world in fact um have have nuclear weapons how do we encourage states to go towards nuclear disarmament i mean it ta- it, it kind of takes me back to the gorbachev years where that this used to be a very heavy topic, and it suddenly disappeared. So how do we go back to that point where we are actively talking about nuclear disarmament?
2: This is what really bothers me uh, about uh, the conflict in Ukraine. Russia is using the threat of nuclear weapons as a tool of statecraft hmm. to try to keep other countries from, uh, from becoming involved, from supporting Ukraine. Uh, This is a new use for nuclear weapons that has not been there before. In January of this year, uh, President Putin with the other uh, NPT nuclear weapon states signed a statement saying nuclear weapons were for defense and deterrence only. And now he's come in and he's added another uh, aspect to that. So if Russia is perceived as being successful in this war, it will have created this uh, new use for nuclear weapons as a tool of statecraft, and uh, created a disincentive toward disarmament. And that is very dangerous. So I think that uh, uh, this is one of the lessons we should be learning from this that mm. we are actually safer globally with fewer nuclear weapons, not with more. Absolutely. And hopefully, this will this will bring attention to the fact that we need to go into uh, a arms control process. Leading toward further disarmament, and not the traditional one, which is just the U.S. and Russia. All of the nuclear weapon states need to be included, especially China, which is currently expanding its nuclear arsenal at the greatest rate of anyone.
0: Now, um, John, finally, my, my last question. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, of course, we we got to start with, you know, the, the the big boys, Russia and America, are the ones who hold supposedly the largest a um, number of nuclear weapons. But there's also some some countries like Pakistan and India uh, who have forever been very sensitive over the past 50 years um, in respect of, um, you know, um, always being on the brink. They've already, In 50 years, they've had three wars already. Um, maybe, maybe that's a kind of a point where countries need to get involved and maybe like United Nations, because it seems to me United Nations is absent from this equation. Why are why why isn't United Nations here uh, and and talking about this and and taking kind of a lead role?
2: But we'll we'll see some of it next week at the review conference for the NPT, which is taking place at the UN in New York. Uh, but uh, that's a very good question. The United Nations operates the Conference on Disarmament in Geneva. Uh, the conference has been essentially deadlocked for uh, almost twenty years. Uh, and has made very little progress, even though everyone knows what the agenda is. Hmm. And uh, everybody wants to point a finger and say it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's a, it's a collective failing. It is. Uh, countries that, that support the idea of disarmament should be energizing the, uh, the Conference on Disarmament in Geneva and instructing their delegations there to do a little bit better, to be a little more energetic and to call out the people
1: who are blocking progress. John, doubt. how dangerous do you think is the situation in the world at the moment? Would you agree with the um, uh, with the guys at the um, uh, at the doomsday clock, uh, where they say uh, the uh, clock is 100 seconds to midnight, midnight being being doomsday? Uh,
2: the, the clock is a. Uh, very uh, well-known representation of the the perception of the level of threat,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, I think the the uh, people at the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists who who operate the clock were a little bit caught aback by the Russian action this year, because they would already moved the clock about as close as they dared to midnight, and now suddenly it, something happened to make the situation a little bit worse. Right. Uh, so it's it's useful in that it calls attention to the fact that we continually live with the danger that a nuclear weapon may be used it's not despite the the uh headquarters of the clock it's not a scientific instrument hmm. but it's it more measures the the level of concern uh on the part of the people who operate it so
1: yeah so let me use that term how concerned are you at the moment about Uh, the global situation. Is Uh, is there an immediate threat?
2: There's always some level of threat. It's, It's very small. It's a little bit greater since February of this year, given the Russian actions. But I still think the immediate threat that a nuclear weapon would be used is quite small. There is no military object to be gained by using such a weapon at this time. Uh, And the political consequences for Russia were to use a nuclear weapon would be very severe. So I I believe Putin is a rational actor. and He's not going to take an irrational step like that. But we always have to be concerned. Hmm. And as I said before, my primary concern at this point is over the uh, perception that nuclear threats could be useful and could help Russia gain its political goals. If that happens, a lot of countries will take note and we will see more nuclear threats and we will see more countries developing nuclear weapons so they can make those threats. Without a doubt. That's what really concerns me at this point.
0: I think it's a valid concern and one hopes and prays that the failures that you talk about with that countries are not um, kind of taking action on. Uh, this time around when they meet, they, they come up with uh, a bit more positive solutions and uh, we avoid... Um, any catastrophic action from any country around the world. Senior policy director at the Centre for Arms Control and Non-Proliferation, John Ereth, Thank you so much, sir, for taking time out and coming on to our drive time show on Voice of Islam this afternoon. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. And with you. Interesting. Um, you know, he's. he's I, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of glad that. Hmm. Someone has said that there is an absolute failure mm. of of um, of any action mm. at mm. United Nations. It seems to me that uh, when it suits countries' narrative, United Nations reports are fantastic. Yeah, and when it doesn't suit their need, it's a veto or sorry, no, we don't recognize it.
1: Absolutely, and it's it, it's all about geopolitics. It's it's uh, there is no no discussion or debate around having um, uh, uh, having equitable argument um, around food security, mm-hmm. around uh, many of the other challenges that we face, and certainly no concrete discussion around nuclear disarmament as well. And yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, failure is the, is the right word to use there.
0: And, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about disarmament, um, but countries like Israel, countries like United Kingdom and other countries they no longer publicly disclose
2: yeah.
0: what armaments, what nuclear weapons they have. Sure. So, isn't that the beginning point? So, if we don't know, how are we going to talk about disarmament when we don't know what we have?
1: Yeah. Well, well in case of Israel, it uh, it is not even a stated nuclear power. Yeah. Uh, all the other countries, are. so India and Pakistan now are stated nuclear powers. Uh, yes, they don't announce uh, the the state of their arsenals, mm. but. Um, uh in case of Israel, though it is widely believed to be one it's it's not a stated nuclear power, so I think yeah it, it, a lot of states would just want to remain ambivalent about it. nobody wants to um uh to openly talk about the arsenals or talk about them which is kind of the point that I was making earlier that mm. you know given that you know this the The bulletin of atomic scientists think that you know it's um, uh, we are hundred seconds to midnight. Midnight being Stooms, being end of the world scenario. Mm. Um, and 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 you know these are uh, it, it, these are academics. These are widely rec- respected. These are not some you know guys se- sitting in a, uh, in a basement somewhere. No, um, they're not looking in a crystal ball. It's it, it's scientific. It, it, oh, it's not scientific, but it's. G- no, it's, it's analyzed. It's analysis, yeah, and it's uh, it's yeah. it's based on you know historical evidence, and based mm-hmm. on a lot of things. I mean, it's, I, I'd actually uh, encourage our listeners to go onto the website of uh, just just uh, maybe Google Doomsday Clock or, or Doomsday Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, and and you it's uh, quite a bit of uh, research that goes into uh, into what they come up with. And if we go and um, if you believe what uh, John Earth was saying earlier, that you know they had actually moved the clock even before. Russia invaded Ukraine. It is probably less than 100 seconds to midnight now, uh, according to them. So it's uh, you know it is a pretty precarious situation. Yet nobody seems to be talking about it.
0: You know, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. You say nobody seems to be talking about it in 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 the world that we're living in. But this kind of takes me back to again. We, I know we always joke about it, but the benefit of age is that uh, <laughs> I, I remember the third caliph. May um, um, Allah have mercy on his soul. Mm. Hazim uh, Isanasa, the fifth, uh, the third Caliph to the promised Messiah. Uh, in his book, he talked about the forming of blocks. He mm-hmm. he talked about, um, he, he w- in fact, it was a lecture he gave in in uh, in London mm. in, on his visit. I think it was in the early seventies. And uh, and and he talked about the forming of blocks and how country and 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 the and we're not talking just small blocks, very very defined blocks. Mm. Of East West, and 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 if if one looks at where we are now, um, you couldn't be more it, it couldn't be more obvious as to how the world is now separating and dividing into its corners. And, and it always comes back to and it reminds me of the question you asked last time we were on, because people always talk about the world being against Russia, <laughs> w- whereas it, we're, we're talking about the, yeah. the so-called free developed world, which yeah. is against Russia, Africa, Middle East. Um, North, uh, um, South America. Uh, they, they, you know, they are not. They, they are actually acting as the neutral parties here. They're not taking any sides mm-hmm. because they're saying it's not our war, uh, because they've got their own domestic issues to deal with. Let alone to be worried about something more um, 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 uh, on an international basis. But again, the, 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 the promised Messiah has spoken about this. Mm. Um, the the first, second, third. In fact every single all, caliph all of them have actually have spoken about this Absolutely, and yes and it's not the and third even third. they weren't the first ones yeah. the, the the guidance that they gave everyone and what they yeah. spoke about was based on what was written in the holy quran mm. which was yeah. the, the you know the, the authentic book of god almighty which god almighty has said in chapter 2 verse 206 and when he is in authority he runs about in the land to create disorder in it and destroy the tilth and the progeny of man and Allah loves not disorder. I, I, it's very, very, you know, it, it's it, it says it straight, straight, fairly straightforward. You know, among the Quranic prophecies um, relating to events and inventions of our age, there are some which are of outstanding and importance and great global significance. And this, and one such prophecy relates to the impending danger of a nuclear holocaust. And this prophecy was made at a time when man could not entertain the idea of an atomic explosion. By any stretch of his imagination, but there are verses in the Holy Quran which clearly speak of tiny, insignificant particles which are described as storehouses of immense energy, as through the fire of hell, as though the fire of hell was locked within them. It's ama- it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Amazing. I mean, I'm not yeah. a scientist, and but even you know the basic science that we read mm. we read in you know centuries ago in school, mm-hmm. it was based on the little particles and mm. and and how when um, you know, at this old age, when one looks at it, of, 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 you know, when when you read the commentary on what uh, the, the verses of the Holy Quran say, and then you look at some of the, the new, um, discoveries that the world makes today, and it the mind boggles that yes. oh wow, I remember we did a program on the black hole, and we talked about, mm. um, you know, um, different discoveries, Mars. I remember when we did the show on on. Yeah. Pe- and on yeah you know, going to Mars. And, so and, many different
1: scientific... And if you put that in perspective, Brother Q, that this was all uh, written 1,400 years ago. Exactly. You know, how could somebody have thought of it um, if it was not divine?
0: And so precise. Yeah, exactly. And so precise. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting um, that uh, a, a lot of people might wonder, well, Voice of Islam, why are they talking about, um, uh, you know, global... Uh, you know, why are we talking about... Uh, uh, nuclear weapons. And, and, and the whole point that we always make on, on the Drive Time show that Islam is not just a small, uh, um, it's not a small segment in your life um, and, and, you know, that uh, uh, that you get up in the morning and, and or you do your five times prayers and you read the Holy Quran and that's it. Islam is a deen. A deen is, uh, it's a much broader term. It is a way of life. Every aspect of your life um uh, is is uh, it, it, there's islam in it and when i mean life i don't mean from a social and everyday living perspective um i'm talking from an academic perspective mm-hmm. um you know the, the the famous words of the the, the physics uh, scientist uh, dr abdul salam when when he received his when he was asked um, you know where did he get his uh, his knowledge um, in in respect of why he got uh, um, his inspiration. His inspiration from, yeah. and and he was very polite. He was very clear mm-hmm. and concise. He goes, "Well, it was the the Holy Quran that gave him his inspiration," right. and and you know, and that says, and what that teaches us is, no matter which aspect of your personal, social, um, geopolitical, political, um, your your business life, no matter which aspect of life you want to talk about, Islam is ever present, yeah. and and this is why. Um, Islam has always been called a universal religion. And it's not just universal from a geopolitical perspective, it's universal from a mankind perspective. Mm. It means from your soul to your existence and to even after your existence, Islam is forever present.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you talked about uh, the verse of the Holy Quran and, uh, or the verses of the Holy Quran, and, and the verses of the Holy Quran actually talk about, uh, so let me read some of them out. Uh, so um uh, the words of the holy quran uh, around the uh, the nuclear fire um are um, are as follows so uh, vote to every backbiter slanderer who amasses wealth and counts it over and over you know we are living in the age of wealth concentrated in a few hands we are in we are in, in living in the age of the trillionaires, the trillionaires, mm. yes, uh, people amassing wealth and people just, uh, you know, uh, counting over and over because, yeah, everywhere, you, whether it's Forbes or uh, or Google or, or whatnot, mm. everybody's counting their, the wealth and who is the wealthiest and who is the second wealthiest. Uh, he imagines that his wealth will make him immortal. Nay, he shall surely be cast into the Hotama. And then the Quran goes on to explain what Khutama is. It is locked up in outstretched pillars to be used against them. This is chapter 104, verses 2 to 10. Thank you for that, Brother Daniel.
0: Let's go to our next guest for the afternoon. We have got with us um, um, Richard uh, uh, Lanain. Um, please forgive me if I, if I mispronounce your name. Richard Richard uh, works um, at the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Uh, he started his career as an Australian diplomat and has since worked on the disarmament and arms control for the United Nations and several other organisations. He's based in Geneva, Switzerland. Good afternoon. Welcome. Assalamualaikum and peace be on you, Richard.
4: Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me and you pronounced my name absolutely correctly. Thank you so much for that.
0: Um, Richard, what are the main challenges we have regarding nuclear non-proliferation?
4: Well, you've heard uh, already from what John said, uh, a lot of the the main challenges. But Mm -hmm. I think what's the fundamental problem with both non-proliferation and nuclear disarmament is that uh, unlike, say, chemical weapons or biological weapons, there are still, unfortunately, a number of governments who believe that there's nothing inherently wrong with nuclear weapons, that uh, they think they're a legitimate means of, of defence, and they have no real intentions of giving them up. So for all the the rhetoric and the promises, um, and John mentioned, for example, that next week we'll have the review conference of the... Uh, Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty which obliges the five, five nuclear-armed states to, to take steps to disarm. You know, they say they will, they promise they will, but they don't and I think the reason they don't is that um, they really just want to keep their weapons. And Why that's a problem, I mean you've heard of the positive and so on, but we have to understand that these weapons are inherently indiscriminate. They cause immense destruction. They cannot be used in accordance with the laws of war They cannot be used simply against military targets. They will, even a small nuclear weapon, even just one nuclear weapon, will kill hundreds of thousands of civilians, uh, at least, possibly millions, and will have immense effects on... on, uh, Health systems won't be able to cope, emergency response is impossible, cities will be destroyed... uh, millions will suffer not just in the in the country or the place where the nuclear weapon is used but uh much wider field with radioactive fallout fallout with with uh, panic and mass movement of people um the chaos we see in ukraine uh, is nothing as to what would happen if, if even a small nuclear weapon were to be used in europe say So uh, despite these terrible effects, uh, despite the fact that these weapons are inherently inhumane, indiscriminate and unjustifiable, we unfortunately still have nine countries in the world today which insist on keeping them. And until we can overcome uh, that perception that nuclear weapons are somehow acceptable, that that mass murdering millions of uh, non-combatants is is an acceptable means of warfare, uh, I'm afraid we're not going to get very far with disarmament.
0: Richard, you you mentioned that you know that there's a certain number of countries who are, um, or you know, adamant on on keeping them, but countries like Germany, who are a major world economic power, has no nuclear weapons. Why isn't countries like Germany at the kind of driving this 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 narrative or this uh, this these meetings um, and use themselves as an example to say, well, hold on, look. We've done it. Why isn't Germany on, the, on, on
4: this scale? It's not even mentioned. Well, that's a, that's a question um, for, for two reasons. Firstly, uh, well, one important reason is that Germany, although it doesn't have nuclear weapons of its own, uh, it does, in fact, depend on uh, nuclear weapons belonging to other members of the NATO alliance. Mm-hmm. So France and the United Kingdom and uh, the United States... Have, as we've heard, many nuclear weapons, uh, and other NATO members benefit, if you like, uh, if that's the word, from from the protection uh, that those nuclear weapons are said to offer. So the reason we don't hear Germany uh, making big noise for in favour of nuclear disarmament, although they do say they support it, uh, the reason we're not seeing big efforts from Germany is that Germany also wants. Um, at least its NATO partners, to keep the nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. There are, in fact, uh, American nuclear weapons that are stationed in Germany. Germany hosts these on, on military basis in Germany, uh, which is not just interesting, it's, it's rather appalling when you consider that Germany, as a non-nuclear weapon state that's a member of the Non-Proliferation Treaty, is legally prohibited from possessing nuclear weapons.
0: I was going to say that because there's, there's some kind of legal precedence here as well, isn't
4: there? That's correct. Uh, Germany, you know, is prohibited by that treaty, the NPT, from getting its own nuclear weapons, and yet it is actively, if you like, assisting and abetting the um, you know, hosting of and uh, potential use of um, American nuclear weapons. So that's why we don't we don't see Germany and countries other NATO members um, sort of making big moves towards nuclear. But you might be interested to know that there are other countries who pose exactly that kind of question you have countries like brazil say or egypt or south africa or indonesia uh countries in the developing world who say this is absolutely the case we provide for our security without nuclear weapons we have no intention of, of acquiring nuclear weapons uh we see them as dangerous uh to us uh and therefore we are going to take some very serious steps to to prohibit them and eliminate them and they, they've gone ahead and done that. Uh, we now have, uh, since 2017, we have the United Nations Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which entered into force in 2021. Um, it has now almost 90 signatories and, and state parties. And that treaty, unlike the NPT, contains an absolute prohibition on the possession and use and threat of use, uh, development and so on, of nuclear weapons. And this is, I think, a very interesting development uh uh, because it really shows the countries of the global south. These are uh, largely developing countries which have pushed for this treaty, which have led its negotiation and, and brought it into force. So I think, you know, although we've heard a lot of bad news and worrying news uh, in, in the show this afternoon, uh, this is a very promising sign that we have quite a large number of countries now getting very seriously organized and taking um, important legal steps to put nuclear weapons, you know, in firmly into the realm of uh, totally prohibited, prohibited weapons like we see for biological and chemical weapons. Wonderful.
1: Richard, um, uh, a few moments ago, you described uh, all the dangers that uh, use of nuclear weapons actually carry. Um, you've just talked about uh, the Global South actually sort of coming together. You've also talked about you know these nine countries uh, not willing to let go of their nuclear powers um and and that in and uk is is one of them so on the one hand we see uh, you know all sorts of pr- protests extinction rebellions um parades and whatnot around climate change and and the um the damage that will actually do to the world and might actually lead at some point to extinction um if if we keep on going on around the current trajectory yet there is no such noise there are no extension rebellions uh there are no people blocking m25s around the world for uh, for stopping the use of nuclear weapons which are which 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 is a more clear and present danger why do you think that
4: is well firstly i'm not sure it's completely true to say that there are no people doing this i mean my organization, ICANN, uh, is, a, is a coalition of over 630 um, partner organizations in 107 countries around the world. Right. So there's clearly a lot of people who do care about this issue and they are doing protests, they are taking action, and including in the UK. There are people in the UK who protest the, the movement of, of Trident missile warheads across the country, the people who protest outside the Fastlane submarine base. Uh, they're not on the news. You don't see them very often, um, but there are certainly some very committed people who are doing their best to, to get rid of these weapons. And But I think the reason we don't see them, and the reason, unfortunately, there aren't more of them,
5: mm.
4: is that this is a, a threat, uh, a problem that we've been, unfortunately, dealing with for a very long time, since 1945, when the first atomic bombs were used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the world has you know, lived with this threat for, for over 75 years now. And I think, like like everything else, after a while, people get used to it. They stop thinking about it. They they shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, the world hasn't ended yet, and uh, I still have to go to work. Um, and in the meantime, we have other things to worry about, as you mentioned, climate change and uh, economic problems. So, so I think...
0: Uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, Richard. It's interesting you say that, because when, when we started the show, Brother Danielle said exactly that. That uh, there's so many things happening in the world yet nobody seems to be talking about this particular topic which is more relevant today than ever before do you think that's the problem that people think it's never going to happen
4: I certainly think that's part of the problem and I think that that's why, uh, although this crisis in Ukraine and Russia's threats to, to use nuclear weapons against anyone who intervenes is very worrying and disturbing, it does have the effect of perhaps waking up uh, the public consciousness a bit and so reminding people of this terrible risk and what's at stake and why they need to be concerned about it. So I certainly hope your listeners uh, this afternoon will will be thinking about this and thinking that maybe this is something they need to give a bit more attention to and get involved with, because it's certainly something. It, it's a problem that can be solved uh, if we get enough people and enough organisations behind it.
0: Now, you know, within within uh, you know within Voice of Islam, we always talk about non-proliferation. Because the whole point of is is to look for peaceful peaceful means ahead. So if we want to kind of uh, raise our concerns and we want to kind of show solidarity towards non proliferation, you mentioned this organisation that that, uh, uh, that that so many people are part of. Who do we write to? Who do who do we contact?
4: You contact ICANN. That's the International Campaign to abolish Nuclear Weapons. Uh, www.icanw.org. Um, find us easily on Google. Um, there you can see the list of our partner organisations. You can see if there's a local partner you might want to be involved with, or you can get involved at, at an international level. Uh, uh, we're always happy to hear from people who are, who are interested in this issue and want to want to do so. Help us do something about it. Uh, and many things, whether in, in the UK or elsewhere, um, it's as we've heard, it's a big, important problem, uh, and we need all the help we can get.
0: Finally, Richard. Where do you think we're going? Is there a? Is there is there, You know, we 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 asked the questions to John erith as well. What's your opinion? I mean, um, you know, you, you've got to be crazy to 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 use these these, these dangerous uh, weapons, and and I think that's mildly putting it. Um, are, are we at that juncture? Are that where where you know people need to be talking about this and and talking about it, not as a topic uh, of discussion, but uh, be concerned about uh, that it. concern. That uh, you know, um, this could happen. What's what, what's your take on it?
4: Well, my take is that you know, we really have a, a lot of work to do to remind people uh, that this risk is ever present. It's not just Russia. It's not just in Ukraine. You know, as we've heard, there are thousands of nuclear weapons in the world. Mm. Many of those weapons are on hair trigger alert, ready to be launched. You know, within minutes. And even if all our leaders are sensible and restrained and, and careful. Accidents can happen, misunderstandings can happen, and it only takes one thing to go wrong for, for a global catastrophe to result. So I think that's that's what people need to keep in mind. Uh, I don't like to make predictions, you know, the world could end tomorrow. But uh, I think if our leaders are sensible, if we keep pressure on governments to, to actually make progress with, with nuclear disarmament, if we persuade our governments that these weapons are simply too dangerous and too horrifying for any country to possess, uh, then we've got a chance of getting rid of them and I think, you know, uh, in the relatively short term.
0: Wonderful. Richard uh, Lennan um from International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. ICANN. Thank you so much, sir, for taking time out and coming on to our show on the Drive Time Show on Voice of Islam. We wish you a fantastic day and a weekend ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Interesting. You know it, yeah. it it's 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 um it's interesting because and it's sad. That there are, I mean, 90 countries have actually signed. signed yeah, exactly. Yet, why isn't that in the mainstream news?
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Why isn't people like Nobody the organization knows, yeah. that Richard is talking about, like ICANN, why aren't these um, people, you know, be giving the support? Why aren't, you know, why aren't, as you so rightly said, all these protest organizations and, and all these um, uh, people who talk about um, climate change? well, there ain't going to be a worry about climate change if nuclear (laughs) nuclear
1: happened. Even a few of them are used. (laughs) Exactly. So,
0: you know, there needs to be that awareness. And I think that's what it is, isn't it? There isn't an awareness. Mm. And that's why we are talking about it today, that it is time that you became aware. It is time that you realized, as Brother Daniel talked about the Doomsday Clock and, and these people who always, you know, the reason why these organizations are there because they've recognized that there is a need there is a threat. There is a threat. Mm. So, so you need to um, you need to write to, um, um, to to your MPs, write to um, uh, you know whoever I- is in charge of of uh, um, of uh, um, such organisations who are talking about abolishing nuclear weapons. Write to ICANN. give your support to ICAN. Mm. Um, you know that is um, th- that is something that we will always and have always been talking about and because it's not something we have thought up ourselves these are guidance and 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 uh, mm. uh, and instructions that we have always received from his
1: holiness hazrat mirza yeah. Masur Ramad. and i think that's the, the difference religion. between uh, so i was about to say that media has to re- to play its 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 due role here yeah and the reason why mainstream media isn't and we are is 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 because of what you just said yeah uh, because you know we, we we are blessed that we have rightly guided yeah caliph, uh, a leader who, uh, who guides, who helps, uh, who talks about uh, global injustices, who talks about global peace, who talks about nuclear disarmament, who talks about all of these dangers, who's been talking about it for decades. And, um, and yet, um, unfortunately, we don't uh, seem to hear any of it on the mainstream media. Well,
0: his holiness, uh, w- during his address in Toronto, he spoke of interest, uh, increasing conflict in the world and the heightened risk of another world war. His Holiness began his address by stating that whilst human intelligence had been utilised to rapidly progress in technological and scientific advancement, it had also on occasion been used as a force for evil and destruction. His Holiness Hazard Mizam, the 5th Caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand, said, Technology has been developed that has the capability of wiping nations off the map with the press of a button. I am referring to the development of weapons of mass destruction, that are capable of inflicting the most unimaginable horrors and devastation. Such weapons are being produced that have the potential to destroy not only civilization today, but also leave behind a legacy of misery for generations to come. Hazrat Hazard Mizar the fifth caliph of the promised messiah, Hazard Hazard Miz- the, uh, may, may Allah in his hand, also said that there had been various foreign policy mistakes in recent years and that the 2003 Iraq war was a prime example whereon many of those initially supported the war now accepted it, that it was a grave mistake. Citing the consequences of such mistakes, His Holiness said, there is no doubt that such injustices have shattered the foundations of world peace and have enabled terrorist groups such as Daesh to take root and grow. These groups are now not just a threat to the Muslim world, but to all humanity. In his letter to the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, His Holiness um, Hazrat Mirza Masroor wrote, "May Allah strengthen his hand. it is my request that at every level and in every direction we must try our level best to extinguish the flames of hatred. Only if we are successful in this effort will we be enabled to guarantee brighter futures for our generations to come. However, if we fail in this task, there should be, there shall be no doubt in our minds that results." of nuclear warfare, our future generations everywhere will have to bear the horrific consequences of our actions and they will never forgive their elders for leading the world into a global catastrophe. I again remind you that Britain is also one of those countries that can and does exert influence in the developed world as well in developing countries. You can guide this world if you desire by fulfilling the requirements of equity and justice. Thus, Britain and other major, power, other major powers should play their roles towards establishing world peace. May God Almighty enable you and other world leaders to understand this message. You're listening to The Drive Time Show with myself, Kayum and Brother Daniel. We're going to go take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go on to our next topic of the afternoon, which is global economy. Are we on the road to recession? So do stay tuned. Go grab yourself a cup of tea and uh, make must make me one while you're at it and uh, we'll join you after the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Friday afternoon drive time show with myself, Qayyum, and brother Daniel Zell. Um, we're going to be talking about the global economy, and uh, the question that we're going to be asking is: Are we on the road to recession? It's something that uh, is actually kind of picked up in the past few days. Even in, um, you know, mainstream news have uh, been talking about it, especially with the leadership contest for the Conservative Party and the 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 choice people are making, or should I say, the Conservative Party members are making, who the next prime minister is going to be. This is a a question that has come up again and again as to what um, candidates will do to avoid. Um, United Kingdom going into a recession if we are not in one already. Um, We would love to hear from you. Um, There is a a question we are asking on our Instagram story, which is, um, the the question is, where's the question gone? It's never there when you want it. It, There you go. What factors have been the most responsible for the weakened global economy? Um, And, uh, you know, we would love to hear from you. You can do so at Voice of Islam UK. Or if you want to join the conversation and give us uh, your opinion, it's 0208-687-7878. Or you can email us um, via our website, uh, uk. And I know uh, this topic is of great interest to my brother, Daniel. um, And uh, this is something uh, that uh, you actually have some knowledge on as well, brother. Um global economy are we on our way to the recession
1: Yes i think there's a lot or of talk. are we in it already um, <clears throat> that's debatable mm-hmm. uh, w- whether we're headed towards one is' certainly that uh, something that's being uh, discussed um very actively in um in in, in various circles in, including economists and uh and business and um uh, and others so i think yeah it's uh, um, if you look at uh, the global economies uh, the major economies in the um, in the world at the moment us uh, economy um uh, has had a contraction um so it is uh, it, it it's very close to going into a technical recession see uh, okay y- yeah? you used that word that boyden used yeah technical recession right
0: why is it that the recession is not a recession anymore, and it gets broken down into different, yeah. uh, different, different
1: recession becomes into different types, <laughs> technical and non technical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Fair point. Yeah. No, I think uh, so. A recession is is formally defined as two quarters of negative growth. Yeah. Uh, and when it's not that, when it's one quarter, then you know uh, people tend to use different terminologies for it. So. Um, from the to answer your your overall question yeah i think from the from the looks of it we certainly we certainly headed towards one we uh, the news that uh, that's coming from all over including china is that all the economies are slowing mm-hmm. and remember that you know china is the uh, is the factory of the world yep so you know the the glass that's on your table or the bottle that uh, uh, that we use for our uh, for water or anything else is is made in China but consumed here. Yes. So if you are consuming less, China is producing less, which means China is slowing down. Mm-hmm. So if so, if, so it's all interconnected and it's hugely interconnected. So uh, China is slowing down. U.S. economy has had a contraction uh, <clears throat> over here in the U.K. We certainly have had uh, haven't had very good news over the past uh, uh, couple of months as well. So uh, I think it remains to be seen whether we are um, headed towards uh, a recession. But it, uh, all signs at the moment are that uh, it's likely. Well, interest rates are on
0: the way up, and they yes. are going to go up at least two. I would say at least two, maybe three times, before uh, in the next six to nine months. Property prices have um, stalled. Hmm. In fact, in some areas, they've actually come down. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that is something that always um, never gets spoken about because. Um, it's it's uh, it's not something that uh, one talks about because uh, we haven't really had an experience where property prices have gone down mm-hmm. or interest rates have gone up. It's always been the other way around, where interest rates have come down and property prices have always been going up forever. But this will play a huge part um, in, in uh, the way our economy goes, the fact that we have um, 3 million job vacancies and we don't have people to fill it. Yeah. Um, if... What people need to realise is, if jobs aren't being done, then the country is not being productive because mm-hmm. results are not being produced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, in turn, of course,
1: has an effect on the economy. Absolutely, and and you know this is a very very interesting um, recession yes. in that that uh, over here the, the economy is is headed towards recession or is in technically a, a recession, but there are. Lots of jobs available for people.
0: Exactly. And, you know, we've never had so so high employment in mm-hmm. this country. Mm-hmm. We talk mm-hmm. about the highest rate of employment in recent history. Exactly. Yet we have 3 million plus empty jobs, which yeah, we can't fill. One, exactly. We are unfortunately isolated at the moment from mm-hmm. the world because of whatever policies, whichever mm-hmm. government is irrespective, mm-hmm. that we are not open to the world in respect of people coming and experts coming over and saying, well, we, we want, want to, to
1: restrict immigration.
0: Exactly. We want to restrict immigration. So we are in limbo. Yet you are correct, um, which is, I think, why a lot of economists are even afraid of making comments or even make predictions based on previous trends, because this is a scenario which hasn't happened before.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely.
0: You know, yeah. We've come yeah. out of a pandemic. Yeah, Businesses are closing. Hmm. Um, people have never been in more debt. A hmm. country's never been in more debt. Exactly that um you know um wages are staying yeah. low inflation we're talking look a year ago we were talking oh, the government is budgeting for 2% we are predicting 11% mm-hmm. by the end mm-hmm. of the by the end of september october yeah 11% inflation is
1: yeah. look it, at fuel prices look at energy bills look at all
0: of the Energy bills. I think that's where we, we, we need to go to because I think that is something that's going to be kind of uh, the, I think that's going to break the back of a lot of people it's if, already. if it not already has. Mm-hmm. So, the the you know, even though the global economy is the, the reason we talked about inflation because it is based um, um, the global economy is faced with this inflationary increase, which is not just in the UK, but UK has been hit the hardest um, in, in respect of the increase of inflation because other countries, and they're not that far behind, but they are behind. Um, and as prices arise, um, financial concerns are also um, on the agenda, so much so that this economic crisis has been called the worse worse than the pandemic. And I think this is, I think that's putting it lightly. I think this is uh, history repeating itself, mid-70s, um, uh you know, this is something we spoke about where, you know, in America, I remember when they were on the news, there were miles and miles of queues mm-hmm. outside fuel stations because mm-hmm. there just wasn't any, yeah. uh, you know, the pe- they, they couldn't, people couldn't uh, afford. There was no gas. There was no electricity. People, there was a shortage. At that there there was a yeah. shortage yeah. Of, of, of everything. Um, and we already said salaries are being distributed below inflation rate, which are not enough to make up for the high inflation rate. Um, and that's what we're going to be discussing: the figures um, that are available to us, and we will be explaining the effects of inflation and the reasons behind why governments um, are are in a limbo there are, and what they're going to try and do to help. Um, and uh, we will, of course, always be talking about the teachings of Islam
1: regarding uh, the economic system. You know, two brother, uh, you, you mentioned two very very uh, interesting things there. You mentioned um, uh, the debt. Mm. that uh, governments have yes and and you mentioned the support that the governments uh, will be able to or will not be able to provide uh, that's very very interesting and that's very interconnected and something that perhaps needs um uh, a discussion uh, for a minute or two mm-hmm. so um at the moment um because of the covid pandemic uh, uh, a lot of governments gave, gave out um, huge packages to their populations, yep. and to save jobs. To, to save jobs, to, exactly. To uh, to help people, to to help economies, and, and and that has worked in many countries, including this one. Yeah. So, um, but the result is that governments have gone knee deep in into debt as a result of providing those uh, those excellent packages, which then limits tremendously the capacity of governments to come in and bail out any um, any, any other major co- companies or corporations or sectors which will become either bankrupt or which will run into financial problems as a result of recession. So the point that I'm trying to make is that uh, because of the pandemic and because of the help and support that the governments have provided, rightly so at that time, but resundantly resultantly the governments have gone tremendously into debt hmm. and because of that their ability to support economies this time round will be hugely limited and and that is uh, an area of concern
0: is that an economic or a political decision governments will make
1: or is it a bit of both i think it's a bit of both it's it's always a political decision at the end of it hmm. uh, but then it's it also becomes a commercial decision as well hmm. because if I, you know, if any government, yeah, um, I don't know if you remember, you know, seven uh, seven years ago or eight years ago, when when the Greek uh, crisis right. was at sp- well, its peak, bankrupt country, exactly, um, Spanish debt, hmm. and Italian debt, government paper, that's right, Portuguese Portuguese paper yeah, yeah. was becoming uh, worthless, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh, uh, had had a huge consequence on uh, on uh, on paper issued by the government, which is really government debt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yes, so I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous situation that we are actually in. Well,
0: let's go and talk to our um, our first expert of the afternoon. We have economist, author, and university lecturer on programs in economics, banking, and finance. We have with us John Hearn. Thank you for taking time out and coming on to the. Um, uh, Draftham show, good afternoon, welcome, As-sal-i-cum, and peace be on you, John.
3: Good afternoon to you, uh, and I apologise in advance if uh, something happens. I'm at sea at the moment, and I have a horrible feeling there's going to be a captain's announcement <laughs> halfway through that I can't block.
0: Not a problem <laughs> at, at all. Moment,
3: let's, let, let's Let's get going before uh, it happens. Well,
0: it will bring a variety to the show anyway. <laughs> John, higher prices, we are talking about energy prices and one of the reasons, w- w- which, we, which is being cited as one of the reasons for inflation. And we always talk about how it's a global issue. Does this mean um, inflation is not, in th- this, this increase in inflation is not temporary?
3: Now you've cut out.
0: Um, we're talking about inflation. The 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 rise yep. in inflation rate that we've got is being attached to high energy prices and, and, and it's being said that it is not a temporary increase. Is that the case?
3: No, <laughs> it isn't the case. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if you remember some time ago I spoke to you more than yes. a year ago. Uh, when i explained to you that inflation will be high towards the end of uh, 2021 and accelerate into 2022 i never knew there was going to be a ukraine war or Mm -hmm. uh, uh, energy problems or uh, commodity food prices they don't cause inflation they affect the prices in individual markets and if they're important to people as energy is it may affect their cost of living but it doesn't affect the average level of prices the inflation rate now was caused More than a year ago uh, during the period of uh, uh, the pandemic when governments uh, spent uh, rather a lot of money that they couldn't finance through tax and they ended up printing that money through quantitative easing it happened across the world and across the world you have now high inflation And central banks are looking for someone to blame, Uh, so they look to the current prices that are going up the most, and they say, yes, they've caused the inflation, but they haven't caused the inflation. The inflation was caused quite a long time ago. So um, I should say in advance that I'm an economist that disagrees with lots of other economists, (laughs) so please don't take my word for it. I remember, I (laughs) remember. We we love you already, John. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, John... So, yes...
1: yeah, on, so you, you mentioned about Q, QE as well, quantitative easing. Yep. How sustainable do you think that is if there is another re- recession?
3: Um, well, there will be another recession. We're actually already in it because the. Thank you. That, uh, I'm that, so happy caused, you said that. Uh, <laughs> is, is, is this stagflation situation? Uh, where um, we've got no economic growth and we have got high inflation and although that doesn't officially record recession because you need two quarters Mm. of uh, falling numbers in GDP it's the beginning so we're we're in a recession and we're not going to get out of it uh, by more money printing Mm. we're just going to maintain the same sort of inflationary stagnation that we've got now and it does take something really quite dramatic to get out of this current situation you better. Well, if you ask me about it, I'll tell you. If you want to ask me another question, please do.
1: Yeah. So, John, uh, given uh, the support that various governments around the world have given uh, for COVID, um, yep. how does that limit their ability to help out um, uh, and come in aggressively in case of um, uh, a recession?
3: Yes, it makes it almost impossible because. What they've done is overspent uh, Mm. and caused a problem. And then they're thinking that the only way to get out of this problem is to carry on overspending. And Mm. of course it isn't. The way out of this problem is really to bite the bullet and try and cut back on expenditure and uh, um, let taxation grow naturally through economic growth. But economic growth is going to take some time to recover and uh, it is economic growth we need to protect everyone against falling living standards into the future.
1: Would you say that uh, this recession will be a lot more nasty than the ones that we've seen the last few decades, given what we're talking about? I think it
3: will be. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be, and I think it will be longer lasting than the recession we had after the global financial crisis. Mm. Um, And the symptoms now uh, are not good. You've got continuing inflation. The one interesting thing, of course, at the moment is that economists are telling you that this inflation is going to continue and perhaps increase as the result of energy prices, Ukraine war, etc. It isn't. It's actually going to go down, and it'll reach reach a peak uh, towards the, the. the end of this year and then it'll start to fall and that's purely because the growth in money supply has fallen dramatically over the last year
0: john John, if if there are cuts tax cuts Mm -hmm. will it not will it not affect inflation and make it go higher
3: if they have to print money to close this gap between taxation and spending it needn't go higher, and in fact, I'm quite happy to go for tax cuts, but tax cuts have actually got to be matched by spending cuts as well. Hmm. Have you ever heard a politician tell you that they're going to cut spending? Of course You've only not. got to listen to the debate for a leadership in That's the, right. uh, the Tory party. We, Everyone we, we, says no, we'll spend more.
0: Which is why I asked, because one of the candidates spoke about tax cuts and talked about yeah. how, well, we have. We, we're going to bear the brunt of the pandemic loan for so long we will we will yeah. just increase that period but they didn't they didn't talk about qe but to me what came to mind was the only way you can do that is by more quantitative easing
3: yeah and more inflation and in fact rishi sunak has caused the increase in taxation by causing the inflation. Inflation is a natural way of increasing uh, taxation. It's an unconstitutional way, but it's a natural way of increasing inflation. And when Liz Truss talks about cutting inflation, she's probably talking about cutting the increase in uh, taxation that has already taken place.
0: Hmm. Now, we, we talk about inflation and we talk about global economy, UK economy. I You yeah. know... What is this going to do to the likes of me and brother Danielle here?
1: Mm. What advice can you give yeah. a, to our listeners? Um. <laughs> is is, 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 my, is um, my
0: energy price, I mean, people talk about uh, doubling of, of, uh, uh, yeah. of energy prices. What people don't realize is they've actually already doubled. They're going to go up in October mm. and then they're going to go up again in January. So realistically, that's quadruple increase in your energy price
3: it's a a fault when governments start to interfere in prices because price caps don't work subsidies don't work they all distort prices and stop the market mechanism working properly and it's quite possible that energy prices will begin to fall even though price caps go up Hmm. Um, and the problem with price caps is as soon as they go up every energy company goes well will go up right to the highest amount but that then there are going to be market implications of doing that. People are going to look for other ways of uh, becoming more efficient in terms of energy usage. Uh, and when the demand for energy falls, the price will start to come back down again. So the energy problem is a temporary problem. And, of course, unfortunately, it is a problem caused by the Ukraine war mainly. And so it is a case of sort of hang on in there. So what you're going to do, I don't know, is is J- everyone can try and protect Yep, if if I may, you,
0: you mentioned the Ukraine war and, and gas, I, I presume yep. you mean gas, but UK isn't reliant on Russia for yep. gas. So why, 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 why are politicians using that as a reasoning for, for increase in, in, in prices?
3: I don't think they're increasing the prices. Everyone around the world is worried because um, energy might be in short supply. And most energy is bought forward on markets. And uh, markets are buying energy at very inflated high prices at the moment. So all companies are looking to buy in. And when all companies are buying in, the price goes up. So it sustains a much higher price. But that can't go on for long Mm. Um, and when it starts to fall uh, that will be reflected in prices but it will take a little bit longer because buying now when it becomes cheaper won't really filter through for another sort of six months or a year so we are going through a period unfortunately of remarkably um high uh, energy prices and then i suppose we should say thank goodness for global warming at least we no- won't need yes. so much energy if, <laughs> mm. if things warm up a bit um it's well other than of course having to use our air conditioning more um it's a difficult uh, it's a difficult situation to deal with and it is one i'm afraid that we're going to have to uh, to live with for at least another year i would think
1: well <clears throat> what about um any small business owners who might be listening in today what advice would you give them would you would you advise them to reduce their debt and um, reduce their debt servicing costs uh, or something else
3: well i would you i would always advise that um, Because you're in a situation now where interest rates are likely to be dragged up okay. by higher inflation yeah. and that's going to increase the costs of borrowing and therefore the less borrowing that you have, uh, the lower your costs will be. So yes, um, a case of batten down the hatches and certainly don't look to borrow too much and if you can um, draw down debt, do it because uh, interest rates are likely to be uh, rising over the next year as well. That's
0: at the nominal level. Um, you mentioned the interest rates, uh, John. I mean, I remember last time when we we yep. spoke this conversation, a lot of first-time buyers are thinking, well, interest rates are going up, that means the housing market is going to cool down and it's going to bring the prices down of housing, so maybe yep. we'll be able to afford it. But that's actually yep. not really going to... Is that going to have an effect on inflation? Or I remember housing actually been taken out of the equation of calculation of how yep. where inflation is. So where does where, yep. where does uh, say a first time buyer sit with this?
3: Right, it won't affect the rate of inflation as you say. It's out of the measure, the official yep. measure, but it will affect first time buyers um, because at the moment interest rates have still been kept artificially low. Yeah. To protect those people, w- what, if you like. Why do you say markets? artificially? Because. Um, a rough rule of thumb is that interest rates should be slightly above the rate of inflation, which means oh, the current wow. bank rate should be about 12%. <laughs> um, and there are people who remember bank rate being nearly 15%. Yes, I So did. It's, not, you know, it's, not un- it's not unlikely that that could be. So that's what it should be. Hmm. But of course, the thing to do is bring down inflation. Uh, and then bank rate should always be a positive number. It shouldn't be a negative number. That is negative in real terms. So in other words, if you've got 10% inflation... Any bank rate or interest rate that's below 10% is, in effect, uh, a cost to savers. It just means your savings are going down every year, your incomes are going down if you don't get uh, a wage increase in line with that inflation. And I suppose the other thing to say there for everyone uh, who's arguing for higher wages because of inflation, carry on arguing. Higher wages don't cause inflation either. Higher, higher wages are the things that protect people against inflation. So that's what you're um, looking for, is protection against inflation. Don't believe the myth that higher wages cause inflation.
0: But that's the mantra that the mainstream media throws back at you, that you can't increase wages. Um, in fact, the, 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 is it the, the Bank of England, um, the yeah. head of Bank of England said, yes. well, you can't um, increase wages because it will, it will have a knock-on effect on inflation.
3: Yeah, it won't. That's the Bank of England's misunderstanding of its cause of inflation. Uh, and you see, it's quite simple. Just to say to people, look, prices are going up. Let's look at the prices that have gone up the most, and those prices that have gone up the most must have caused it, but they didn't. The said uh, prices that go up include wages, the price of labour, um, and the price of labour uh, is being kept down by this action, which means that you're saying. Who's going to pay for all these things that we've done in the past? Well, it's people who have lower incomes. If you're strong enough and powerful enough, like, say, a rail union, to force wages up in the rail sector, you'll protect yourself. But if you're weak and unable to do that, you'll just find that your income will be falling for the next two years until they get inflation down and under control. And finally, John, uh, where um, are you
1: sailing at the moment?
3: I'm in the Irish Sea at the moment right. uh okay. uh swinging somewhere around towards the English Channel.
1: So you certainly are not saving any money uh for for the rainy day um certainly not uh, uh, not <laughs>
3: not not practicing no, what no, you it preach. <laughs> it, it's all it's all it's all spent protecting myself against inflation because I paid for these holidays three three years ago. <laughs> okay, and good. now I'm ta- now I'm taking them. <laughs>
1: fair enough, fair enough. And Wonderful. that captain's announcement uh, didn't come through, so uh
3: it's it didn't all fine. come no, so we're safe. Excellent.
1: Thank you, John. Thanks very much for, good for joining us and to speak. likewise. Okay. So that was John Hearn from cabin E42, somewhere in the Irish <laughs> Sea. Peace be on you, John. <laughs> Peace <laughs> be, be on, on you. Yes. Enjoy
0: your holiday. Um, you know, it's it's always fun and, and it's interesting always talking to John because he always goes against. The uh, mainstream, yeah. But but then what I like about John is he doesn't just say, well, I'm saying this for the sake of it. He explains his rationality behind his argument. But, you know, we, we talked about energy prices, something I learned today. You know, food bank. Mm-hmm. People go... Yeah. In London, now, even now, in this weather, they have started preparing, and I think they've, there's about 12 in London which are more or less ready. They're called warm banks. Do you know what that is? Right. They are creating communal spaces where, come winter, people can come and access because they don't have enough heating at I home. Think, yeah. And going, they can come to these communal spaces where they can come in for a couple of hours of, um, of, of heat.
1: So that must be some charities that would be right. doing that. Right? All
0: community-led, community-funded, mm-hmm. nothing to do with the governments or local Char- authorities. All community-led.
1: Very
0: nice. And, you know, that's where I wanted to go with, with this global recession thing. Mm-hmm. We always, it, it's always interesting. It's always a fantastic discussion to have of house prices, this price, mm. that price, this price. <coughs> but, you know, people like us, or people worse, th- there's loads of people, you know, we're blessed. Yes. There are people Absolutely. who are much, much more worse than
1: us. Yeah, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from.
0: And that's where the problem lies, isn't it? And that's where the solution is, even if we talk about Islamic teachings. Mm. It's the fact that they're community-led and they're funded by people within the community, and that the fact that they are looking after the people in their neighborhoods to make sure that everybody gets enough warmth, that is, look, whether it's Conservative, Labour, Lib Dem, global, local, regional, is it not become irrespective? Because our politicians, irrespective of what side of the floor they sit on, Mm. are not really concerned about Mr. Joe Bloggs on the road. It's about, we always talk about the career politician. Mm. It's about what gives them long, longevity yes. in their career. So the solutions really are community-based. It's up to the people to make the, and pandemic was your perfect solution.
1: Mm.
0: What? Who, who really looked after it? It was the frontline staff and people who were within communities who looked after each other.
1: Exactly,
0: yeah. This, we've already said, is going to be worse than the pandemic. Mm. That means there's going to be that much more need And this is where Islamic teaching comes into it. That, you know, it's about how we act, how we act with our community, how we Mm. act with our neighbor, how we act with our with the person who's sitting next to me in a bus. We need to be keeping our eyes and ears open and know who is needy, Mm. because the one who's truly needy is never going to come and say to you, I'm needy, Mm. because you know why? It's it's human nature to have that self-respect, because I don't want to ask. You know, and and we need to we need to be
1: uh, that much more vigilant and be aware. Exactly. We need to have our antennas on. And you're right. Absolutely. This is this is this is what we need. This is what the world needs, because there is already so much injustice and in in equity in terms of resource distribution around the world. Uh, You know, so few people have so much money and yet so many have so so less. Yes. And, um, uh, and, and, and and yes, if there is a recession, and, and I think we can fairly agree that it will be a worse recession than, than we have seen in the last uh, f- a few decades, then we've got to uh, make sure that we are helping, uh, helping our neighbor. And, and that neighbor means, uh, you know, neighbor, whether we're sitting on the train, neighbor, where we're living, neighbor, where we're walking, anybody and everybody that we can help.
0: But that's the beauty of Islam, isn't it? The term neighbor. Exactly. is so broad. It's not just the house next to you. Exactly. Yeah. The neighbor mm. could be the whole street mm. or it could be the whole floor of your colleagues at work.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, you're so right. It is up. It is up to us to make sure our antennas are raised mm. and and and, you know, to be humble and to be subtle when you look to help someone.
1: And and the other thing that I think this links up with the with the previous topic that mm. we were talking about is that neighbor also means your neighboring countries. That's right, exactly. So if, so if you're rich, yes, um, then you know, for, and your neighboring continent. Mm. So this continent is rich, although we keep on cribbing about, we, we're still massively endowed. You know, the, look at the continent just south of you, which is Africa. Mm. Look at the deprivation, the. Um, Uh, the 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 level of poverty, the level of poverty, the level of hunger, the level of, you know, basic needs not met. You know,
0: and and it worries me that, uh, you know, and I agree with you, we we talked earlier. uh, And what also worries me is this topic that we always seem to. I'm sure the the need to help Ukraine was based on Humanitarian ground, but now it's become an excuse and a reason to justify political decisions that come mm. from, com, that that politicians tend to make. Mm. And I'm I am I am worried that there will be Ukraine fatigue.
1: Mm.
0: People now, when they can't afford to pay that bill, and the government says, "Well, just blame Ukraine mm. because we've been, we're, we're throwing money that way, and you have to make the sacrifice for well, protecting you also, Europe."
1: You also begin to question. Whether it's the Ukraine is the only country. I mean, it's it's great that that hum, that humanitarian action is is happening, that humanitarian help that is much needed in Ukraine. But you know, we we've talked about this in our mm. previous shows. What about Afghanistan? Yeah. What about other countries? What about African countries? Yemen. The, Yemen, exactly. I mean, there's there's famine happening in those countries, okay. and and yes, there is a need in Ukraine. But but yes, there is a huge need in in many other countries as well. So let's be equitable. Let's let's be just about it.
0: 100 percent um you know there's a uh, there's one thing that uh um, well our be-
1: producer says there's already ukraine fatigue
0: there you, there you go mm-hmm. um, well our, our produ- who's our producer me talking to
1: producer <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't read that out <laughs> that's, that's fine I'm, I, i'll read it for you no no no, no <laughs> don't read it out. <laughs>
0: look right you know Again, I'll go back to what we what we started talking about It is the effect of the common man. Hmm. We are talking we we've extensively spoken about food banks. I just mentioned to you warm banks already um, being put what into fantastic place. Idea. And uh, well, well, it is a fantastic idea. But why are we having the need to to have a warm bank? For God's sakes, we again, are we not one of the top richest economies in the world? Recession or no recession? Mm. It's bizarre. But let's go and talk to maybe our next guest can kind of give us a solution. We've got with us Chris Shaw, who is a political expert. Um, good afternoon. Welcome. Assalamu alaikum. And peace be on you, Chris. How are you this afternoon? Uh,
5: thank you very much. And I'm, I'm lovely to, to speak to you again. And uh, I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. Thank you once again for inviting me.
0: Chris, we are talking about the worries and the concerns of the world, be it nuclear disarmament or global economy, recession, and the political turmoil, not just UK, but uh, uh, globally. So how is it, um, th- this, this cost of living uh, crisis that we are facing now, uh, can it be tackled by the government or does the government, government have a solution to it?
5: Um, Well, that's a very very good and interesting question. I've spent quite a lot of time um, sort of going going through it. I I don't believe that that the government has some tools which are available to it to to help tackle the crisis, but I don't believe that they will use them. I mean, first of of all, it's worthwhile sort of having a look at the microeconomics around the situation. And most of the upward pressures that we see on cost of living at the moment are a result of global events. And As such, they're really caused by supply-side problems rather than by high demand. So, in in a a simple world, if demand for a commodity or or a good increases, but the supply remains constant, then the price will go up, because we're we're effectively rationing, as it were. It often happens when an economy overheats, or when consumers have more spare cash in their pockets. But that's not the case at the moment. This isn't a reason for inflationary pressure that we're seeing, because at the moment real wages aren't keeping up with inflation and they haven't been for quite some time so really we've got an, an argument against um reducing taxes because that means if we reduce taxes, it means more spare cash which in turn means people are more willing and able to compete if you like for fixed supply of items and that means therefore that the suppliers will charge more and fuel inflation so at the moment, there's little the government can do in that respect, except for 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 you know sort of high prices of, of basic items, you know, sort of basic commodities like fuel and so on, heating and lighting. Then I, I would suggest that there are a couple of things that they can do. Really, um, they can um, they, they can sort of maybe uh, impose a price cap or a windfall tax on certain sort of certain items, certain tranches, and that. Has been done very effectively. I mean, look at France, for example, where energy prices are increasing to a fraction of those in the UK. I think it's four percent that electricity has gone up by. So that would do uh, effectively have the have the the result of redistributing income from large corporates to the less well off in society.
0: Um, Chris, if I may, just one question yeah. before I, my my, yeah. my brother brother, brother Danielle jumps in here be it an economic expert, political experts, social media, mainstream media, we always kind of give an example of our neighbors or Europe, America, but clearly United Kingdom is not following any of the patterns, any of those policies which are being done in other countries. I mean, Europe being your perfect example, as you just gave a perfect example. So sometimes, sometimes it seems to me we are too easily... Um, Okay, to blame others for problems that we are facing. Surely, surely political decisions which are being made in this country have an also have an impact on why we are in this position. I'm not taking anything away from global pandemics and Mm. and inflations, but political decisions and all the political will is just not there at the moment, is it?
5: I, I absolutely absolutely agree. I mean for example just this afternoon the last couple of hours at Bloomberg the, the news agencies reported that the UK government won't be able to insulate as many homes as planned before winter after it's it's just scaled back a 1 billion pound boost to the <laughs> flagship scheme to help some of the country's poorest households curb their energy use and that is a is basically a political decision as as you rightly point out. The the plan was was to double the one billion of funding available for the I think it's called the energy company obligation and it's been dropped after Boris Johnson's resignation. So you know uh, uh, again that that is purely a political thing and, and nothing nothing now is is occurring um, in 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 Politic Land as it were in Westminster, other than the discussion about who the the new prime minister is going to be the new the new leader of the Conservative Party. So there, there are many, many political decisions that, that are made which have an impact, um, and, and which, which we are only ourselves to blame for.
1: Chris, uh, we're talking about political will. We're talking about various things. Would you say that that our politician's heart is at the right place? Forget about will.
5: Um, I, I think. I think that. Many politicians do have the hearts in the right place. I mean, I, I, I look, and I think we've possibly had the discussion before, I look a lot at what what politicians are saying on Twitter and what they're doing in real lives in their constituencies. Mm. And many, many politicians have absolutely the best interests of, of their constituents at heart. And they're, they're terribly, terribly concerned about many, many issues and considerations. Others are more concerned about their next promotion, their next mm-hmm. job, their their next junket, if you like. From, aren't from, they the from ones who uh, really uh, come on,
1: come uh, come on top?
5: Um, well, I, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you one example of of one of the what one of the problems that I, I've I've just come across. The, the Resolution Foundation, which you, you may know is, is a, a research group into in, into poverty in the United Kingdom, has actually put this very very clearly, and it goes back to the point that we talked about a, a moment ago about um, the, the 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 UK in comparison with maybe the rest of Europe. Low-income households in the UK are now 22% poorer than their counterparts in France and 21% poorer than low-income households in Germany. And that is a political choice.
0: That is crazy figures. Exactly. Would you say that's... Absolutely. W- would you... And <laughs> what I'm about to say uh, it could be questioned, it's questionable. Is it because of Brexit?
5: <laughs> well, I I I fear that, that there, sorry to put you on the spot. Elephant, indeed, I, I feel this this huge elephant in the room. Which Thank means, you. Begins with begins with B. Yes, is Brexit. Um, I, I mean, we
0: still got politicians who say, "Look, I'm i It's it's happened. It's done. We're out. But there clearly there must have been some people say positives, but there must have been negatives. But to, stay, to say that Brexit has not done any damage to our nation, how can we rely on politicians who say that?
5: We, we, we can't. We can't. They, they are, to, to coin the parlours, they are gaslighting us. I mean, the, the point here is that by, by leaving the EU, then the UK government effectively imposed a number of non-tariff barriers on UK businesses. Yep. And the costs of those non-tariff barriers are being passed on to consumers. We have put so, sanctions
0: on, on ourselves.
5: Absolutely, yes, yes. You know, there were there were many flavours of Brexit that we could have chosen. If we if we if we regard the referendum on the twenty third of June two thousand and sixteen as being you know, sort of a mandate to leave the EU, and it wasn't, it was it was just you know an indication of, of dissatisfaction with things that we had been told by the media and by politicians, of course, then. Even if we did regard it as a mandate, then there are different types of Brexit we could have pursued. We could have remained part of the single market. We could have remained part of the customs union. We could have had you know, sort of a much softer Brexit than we have chosen to, to, to pursue. And the, the, the problem is that by leaving the customs union in the single market then and, and refusing to participate in them, we've seen supply chain disruption. We've seen transport delays. We've seen increased paperwork, higher costs. There are There are a number of businesses, some of which I again follow on Twitter, um, so some of, for, for example, are foodstiff companies, wine companies and so on and so forth. and they have chosen to relocate to France or elsewhere in Europe rather than stand these additional costs. Um, something unfortunate that we that we we have no choice in. The other point I will mention as well is that as a result of of Brexit, we have seen that the UK economy is less attractive to overseas investors. And those include people investing in our currency. And because of that, the pound has fallen against the dollar, against the euro, um, which you know, sort of is then you know, sort of compounded because it means that we import inflation. We can buy less from overseas, and that means that we have higher costs on goods and commodities that we import. And let's not forget that one of the items that is priced in dollars is oil. So even if the the, the actual cost per barrel remains the same because it's priced in dollars it means that it costs us more in terms of sterling to buy the same amount
0: um chris we we've talked about uh, UK we talk about Europe but we are in a global crisis um, yes. we, we don't seem to um, be talking about countries who I mean brother Daniel mentioned earlier that you know, in Islam we always talk about looking after our neighbours and our neighbors not far from us, I mean um, Africa is not that far from us and who are suffering, who've been suffering for decades. And in these kind of scenarios, in these kind of circumstances, that suffering is going to disproportionately increase. What yeah. what will happen to third world countries? Will they be able to survive this 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 high inflation? Because if we in our country, one of the richest economies in the world, cannot sustain such uh, pressures. How will someone who, you know, someone who who is an unimaginable problem, will how will they cope with this? Indeed, and it's
5: it's a, it's, it's a very easy question to address and of course a very difficult one to answer yeah i mean I, I i would say that uh, g- globally we've been impacted by covid by global supply chain issues the, the war in ukraine of course inevitably energy costs rising from that and so on what one, one of the things that we we often say is um you know sort of, well why why don't governments just print money and of course they can do because you know one of the things that distinguishes a government from um, a household is that households don't have a printing press in the basement whereas a government does it's called the central bank or in so, so so you mean qe bank,
0: quantitative easing more uh,
5: yes absolutely absolutely yes it's it, the, the modern day equivalent is qe quantitative easing as, as you say. now it's it's easy to say that that will fuel global inflation but i i think that we need to consider it in the round really so if say for example um government's Create money um, for um, for for infrastructure projects. Then that's the, there's a lot of common sense in doing that because if you if you use if you use your central bank to facilitate that, it can help raise li- living standards by enabling this of uh, the money to then trickle down to wages and so on and so forth. And it is not inflationary by doing so.
0: But but, but so, by quantitative easing, are we not devaluing the money by by printing more just? Are we not kind of, um, you know, adding on top of a problem in a long term?
5: Um, it, 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 it's it's a, a, an easy answer for for me to say it depends. Mm-hmm. The, the, the 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 ideal solution is to allow the QE to be used to to sponsor major infrastructure projects.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, if it gets into the wrong hands and it is then used to buy consumer items commodities and so on then it can cause that demand-led inflation
3: mm-hmm. especially
5: of you know, sort of stable commodities fuel energy foodstuffs, and so on and so forth but um if it's if it's ring fenced and used correctly and appropriately it will not be inflationary the inflation that we're seeing at the moment as i sort of said to in in, in answer to the earlier point is Supply-led inflation, in other words, the restriction of supply, not demand fueled inflation. So the inflation that we're seeing at the moment has not been fuelled by the quantitative easing that we've had over the last ten years, for example. Mm. And that is—it's it, very much a different issue. And I think that that's one way of getting around with with, with careful with, with careful you know, sort of restrictions and considerations. It's the way of getting around this issue that we see, particularly in less well-off countries.
0: Chris, before I let you go, one question. And, you know, you are a political expert. It would be wrong. It would be illegal for me to let you go without asking it. Who's going to be our next Prime Minister?
5: Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that's been, that's been you know, sort of slung at me somewhat unexpectedly. I well, have, well
0: because, because it will have a direct effect. It will have a direct what effect everything on, we're talking on our about? economy.
5: It, it will have a direct <laughs> effect on our economy. I, I do absolutely agree. Yes. I, I think that because. The, uh, the, the the question is going to, to conserv- Conservative Party members, and some of those members, of course, are in the UK. Others are overseas. Very interestingly enough, and even though they even though um, people from overseas were were not permitted to vote in our Brexit referendum, and certainly not in a, in a general election, then um, they are in the Conservative Party um, election for a new Prime Minister. I think it will probably end up being Liz Truss. I'm not saying that that is a a good decision or a bad decision, because I think both candidates have their positive points and certainly um, quite a number of negative points. But um, I I suspect it will be listrous.
0: I tend to agree with you, but I agree with you not because of and I also agree with you. There's no right and wrong answer here. I just think at the moment we're in a position where nobody is interested in a long term solution because everybody is in so much pain that they want short term answer. And they want short term, and 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 I think Liz Truss has kind of won over the the Conservative Party, especially at hustings yesterday. I think uh, the, the the reception she received the first hustings was the, that uh, I think it is a it, it 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 will be Liz Truss. But do you also think whoever becomes prime minister, they will go for a general election, or do you think they will serve out the time to twenty twenty four?
5: um interesting question i i i don't think they will have an immediate general election because i don't i don't think that the the mandate they would receive will be strong enough particularly i think we'd end up with the home parliament because people still have the the, the legacy issues of boris johnson how the conservatives failed to address his failings the fact that both Liz and of course rishi sunak were, were members of the, of the of the the cabinet as well so it will so not be the will of the coffee. people
0: so it will be the will of the conservative membership
5: Indeed, indeed. And I, I think that that's maybe, as much as anything, a reflection uh, on the on the, the the current manner in which people are elected to um, to leadership and also the first-past-the-post system as well.
0: Chris, I can ask you loads more questions, but I'm not going to th- put you in it. And I just want to <laughs> thank you, as always. Thank you so much for taking time out for us you're, and coming on to the time show. M- um, most
5: welcome. And thank you very much indeed. And thank you for listening. Thank too, you. Too, Have probably. a
0: fantastic weekend. May peace be with you.
5: And you too. Thank you very much.
0: It's interesting, Brother Daniel, that, you know, we, we should, next time, we, we'll get John and Chris on together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. It's, because, you know, Chris is right there that mm. there is no right and wrong here. Because an economic, an economic expert and a political expert will have different solutions to how their outlook is of what's happening out there in the political arena. And politicians who truly, really govern us, are not going to make economic decisions based on what makes sense or what is rational in economic terms. It's going to be based on political will and power, is it not? But that is politics. It is. And, and it's politicians who decide
1: what happens because Chris demonstrated Correct. that. Exactly. Look what's happening in France. Absolutely. So, so, so let me disagree with, with you a little bit. Mm. I think there is a right and wrong. There's definitely a right and wrong in terms of what to do, what, but political expediency. Whether you want to be, uh, uh, you know, Machiavellian politics, mm. uh, if you want to, if you want to do that, and unfortunately, a lot of people think that that's the only politics that survives these days. Then, then yes, there is no right and wrong, and the, the only right and wrong is whether you you're going to survive the next term, or whether you're going to win the next election. Mm. Uh, But, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at uh, common decency, if you look at uh, the basic problems, you know, if you look at the challenges that people are having who who go to these food banks or who will be going to these warm centers that Mm. you were talking about, there is a there is a very clear right and wrong for them. Okay, I agree with you 100 percent.
0: But what I meant from a politician's perspective
1: but, but I, isn't that the problem? Brother it Gale? is. It is because there that, is that the th- politician's is no perspective wrong. is different from the perspective
0: of of the common man. But isn't that what's happening in global politics today? Was what we talked about last time that if one was to sit back and think. But isn't we that wrong? We don't really true leader. There is no true leader in this world today. Yeah, correct. Oh, there is one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Politically. Very correct. Yes. But I know what you're referring to. Right. You are referring to His Holiness, Azad Mishra Musuram, the yes. fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, May Allah strengthen who actually reminded us in his, one of his Friday sermon that the poor sector of society contributes greatly to the economy of the country as they provide labor to work in factories and toil on the land. If they stop working, the country's economy will be greatly affected, especially in developing countries. His Holiness explained that if the rights of the poor and the needy and the wayfarers are not fulfilled, then this group of people will be forced to delve into the world of crime. This will in turn only not only diminish the level of peace in society, but also create feelings of malice and resentment towards the wealthy. We see that in the poor or underdeveloped nations, it is this group of underprivileged people who come to the streets in protest and raise their anger towards the wealthy and the resourceful and the government. History is a witness and that such disorders result in economic downfall. Islam being a complete and universal religion draws attention towards the importance of fulfilling these rights to our fellow human being and it is indeed the Muslims righteous deeds that result in a display of Islamic values. Otherwise, a mere claim to Islam is meaningless. His Holiness uh, (coughs) has stated that Islam also teaches us how to conduct our financial and economic affairs and outlines the responsibilities of a true Muslim in his financial dealings. Whilst Islamic teachings which are only in the Holy Quran, which in the Holy Quran command Muslims to fulfill the rights owed to God, at the same time, they also instruct us to fulfil the rights of God's creation. We have been talking um, about uh, the, 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 you know, the the nuclear arsenal um, um, and how countries are uh, increasing their weaponry um, around the world. In the first hour, and for the past hour, we've been talking about how global economy is on a downward, and it is affecting. Uh, every everybody um, on on a daily basis,
1: Brother Daniel. Any final words for our our listeners? Yes, the I, I guess the only thing that remains to be said is that um, uh, that it is at the time is now that we come close to our Creator. Yes, uh, because we do live in a very dangerous world. Whether you look at the armament situation, how heavily the the world is armed to its teeth, and then we have this um, recession. Um, whether technical or not, or the upcoming recession. So, yes, um, I think it's time to to get close to our Creator. Thank you to Sunan
0: Nadeem and Bahad Nayira for today's shows. Um, Until we meet again, please remember us in your prayers and forgive our shortcomings. Until we meet again, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you.